Live from the basement, this is Cellar Dweller Sports. And we're back with another edition of Cellar Dweller Sports featuring K-Dog and G-Mac. Welcome back to the Cellar. We're here with the New York Jetropolitans. The rundown this week is NCAA three-game picks, the NFL three-game picks, Jets and Giants preview and rewind, and K-Dog's Fantasy Minute at the end. So we'll start out with last week's NCAA three-game picks for the Rewind. And we'll start out with the SEC matchup, which was <clears throat> a- Texas A&M versus Auburn. It was, it, was a battle, it was a battle of the SEC rivals, and Texas A&M came out on top and won 31-20. to 20. It was a great game for the most part until the end where AM just blew them out scoring 17 unanswered in the fourth quarter. Uh, Kellen Mund for Texas A&M had 196 yards and two touchdowns for Auburn. Bo Nix had 144 yards with zero touchdowns, zero INTs. The story for, Texas A&M was Isaiah Spiller with 20 rush 20 rushes for 120 yards which was a huge uplifting for the Texas A&M team but at the end Texas A&M pulled out the win 31-20 and I moved to 1 and 0 on the week. Yeah, so uh, going into this week I was 5 and 9 on the season. Uh, so what did, uh, what was your record going into this week? Uh, 11 and three. Okay. So you were 11 and three on the season. I'm five and nine. I needed a big week K dog to get back to 500. So how did I fare? Well, let's see game one. I picked Auburn to beat A&M 27, 23 well. I got that one wrong. You know, actually, K Dog. You know, you you talked about the game just previously, but I looked pretty good through three quarters with Auburn. You know, they were winning twenty to fourteen after three quarters, but unfortunately, you know, a football game's four quarters, mm-hmm. and you know, A and M scored seventeen unanswered points to win thirty-one twenty. So it, it was a clean game. There were no turnovers. You know, both teams uh, played fairly well. Uh, A&M just gashed the Auburn D rushing for 313 yards. And you talked about it led by Spiller and Devin Achani, both with about hundred yards and A&M rushed for almost as many yards as Auburn had total yards. So, I mean, you could see where A&M's firepower came from and Auburn just had no answer for the A&M run game. You know, that resulted in my in their loss, and that resulted in my loss. So I was 0-1 for the week. A&M continues to position itself for the playoff talk, you know, with uh, other teams from the SEC like Florida and Bama. So, you know, big win for A&M. Keep them on track. Auburn, 
you know, that maybe they'll get a, a second tier bowl out of this season. Not sure, but uh, any talk about a big six bowl for them is over. Yeah, that is true. Uh, yeah, Auburn's out of the New Year's six for sure. They got to be. They got to be. But we'll move on to uh, the Big Ten matchup that we had last week, and it was number 12, Indiana, taking on number six, Wisconsin. And this was a defensive battle, to say the least. It was 14-6, to Indiana edged out Wisconsin. Wisconsin came into this game as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite, which was crazy. But uh, Graham Mertz for Wisconsin did not play well whatsoever. 202 yards and one INT. The Utah transfer for Indiana, Jack Tuttle, had 130 yards, two touchdowns and zero INTs in his first career start for Indiana. That was a huge uplift for them. Stevie Scott for Indiana also helped out Jack Tuttle's case with 57 yards. And Jalen Berger for Wisconsin had 87 yards on 15 carries. Watt Filer was the leading receiver with 47 yards and a touchdown for Wisconsin. And it was a defensive matchup. Indiana only giving up six points was surprising to me. Very surprising, actually. But Wisconsin's offense just couldn't get it to go, which made Indiana win 14-6, to moving me to 2-0 and on the week. You, you picked uh, Wisconsin to cover? No, I picked Indiana to cover. Oh, I'm sorry, you picked Indiana to cover? Yeah. Did you pick Indiana to win outright? No, I did not. Okay. So uh, my prediction was Wisconsin 24, Indiana 13. I got the winner wrong, but I got the spread pick correct. You talked about Indiana winning 14-6. You know, Wisconsin had 130 more total yards than Indiana, but they couldn't muster up a touchdown and settled for, you know, two field goals. Um, Mm -hmm. Whiskey managed the ball fairly well with only two turnovers, you know, because Wisconsin is a turnover machine. Uh, Their quarterback, you know, he, he doesn't seem to be able to lead the offense because Wisconsin just cannot score any points against anybody. It doesn't matter who they're playing. You talked about uh, Jack Tuttle and, uh, you know, with uh, Penix out injured, this is setting the stage for Tuttle, who who I think, you know, was only going to be a junior next year. I think he's a sophomore this year. So he's going to be positioning himself because I think Penix is graduating. Um, I think he's going to be positioning himself for the starting job next year. So you know, Indiana may be positioned yet again to have another quality quarterback in the fold. You know, I picked Whiskey to win, but uh, had IU covering. So, you know, I'm one and one so far this week. Uh, I don't know where Indiana is going to fall in the uh, playoff bowls, whether they get a, a significant bowl or not. Probably not because they're not even in the uh, big 10 chip game. Right. So, yeah, uh, they, they, they probably will not play. Uh, they won't, I doubt they'll play in a new year's six bowl and they'll probably get some lower tier bowl. Um, and 
you know, Wisconsin, their season has been a complete disappointment. They were expected to be contenders in the Big Ten this year, and they were more pretenders than contenders, you know, and I, I don't know. They, they, they don't have the running game. You know, Wisconsin typically is built on a running game. No, no big running game this year. Uh, so, you know, between running backs, offensive linemen, and, you know, their quarterback is pedestrian at best. So, you know, Wisconsin's going to have to look within to see how they're going to improve their offense next year uh, because they're, they're not, they're not going to win at the rate they score points. That's for certain. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, Wisconsin just got to – they got to regroup for next year, see what happens. I do think Indiana could possibly make a New Year's Six Bowl, to be honest. You do? Yeah, with the way they're playing, yeah, I think they could make it. Six and one in the Big Ten, they're the second best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, I could see it. But yeah, well, yeah I, I, do you think they get a, a better bowl game than a Northwestern will? Yeah, for sure. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Northwestern uh, lost to uh, Michigan State, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't think Northwestern's any good. Um, you know, they're having a good season, but I think the Big Ten is down. Um, but I, I would figure since the big tent uh, Northwestern is going to the chip. They're going to play in the chip, right? Uh, that, um, you know, they, they would probably get a better uh, bowl game than Indiana, but you might be right. I mean, Indiana's uh, probably the better team, I would think, right? Mm-hmm. They took Ohio state, you know, I mean, Ohio state went out early against them and uh, they closed it to what a six point game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you might be right, uh, but they won't have Michael Penix. I don't know if that comes in the, into bowl selection uh, con, uh, uh, consideration or, or what have you, but um, Tuttle seemed to represent himself well, and uh, the offense didn't seem to miss a beat. And, you know, Wisconsin's defense is fairly good. So uh, we'll see. We'll yeah, see we'll, what, we'll what see. unfolds there. We'll see mm-hmm. what unfolds there. All right. So we'll move to our last game of, the, of last week, and it was – the night game of the week, number 13 BYU versus number 18 Coastal. This game was game of the, of the week. week. This was game of the week by far. It was a back and forth game through the whole entire thing until the end where Coastal Carolina scored six unanswered at the end of the game to put away BYU. Coastal Carolina one 22 to 17 absolutely insane heisman trophy candidate zach wilson had a a lackluster game to say the least especially against the coastal carolina team 240 yards one touchdown one interception the interception was crucial but the the story was the rushing for byu and coastal algier tyler algier for byu had 13 carries on 106 yards for a touchdown. He also did have a fumble, a lost fumble, which was huge in this game as well. CJ Marable for Coastal Carolina had 23 carries on 132 yards and two touchdowns. That was the story right there. CJ Marable brought Coastal to this win. Coastal won 22-17, and I moved to 3-0 on the week. Wow, you you did you pick Coastal win, to win outright or just yeah? I picked them to win by a field goal. You picked them to win outright, huh? Yeah. Wow. 
So you're a three and zero for the week. Well, I gotta agree with you. This was by far the game of the week, and it lived up to its billing in terms of entertainment. And um, you know, I, I got this game completely wrong, picking BYU to win the game. I, I predicted BI BYU would win thirty-eight to seventeen, and Coastal would uh, you know won twenty-two seventeen. You know, the biggest surprise for me was I thought the Cougars would own the line of scrimmage due to their size, but Coastal actually won the line of scrimmage, K-Dog, and they ran the ball for 281 yards to win the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, B, you talked about BYU's QB, uh, Zach Wilson. You know, he to me, he, I agree with you, he wasn't overly impressive whatsoever. You know, he, he threw the ball for 240 at touchdown as you said an INT but you know th- this was supposed to be his coming out party where he showed everybody you know he was an elite college quarterback and um, you know deserved to be in the um, Heisman hype with some of the uh, players coming out of the uh, bigger power five conferences and you know I, I just don't think he demonstrated that he fits within that conversation Um and, you know, that was his opportunity to do so. This was a big opportunity, you know, for BYU, who, uh, you know, if they if they won this game and were undefeated, uh, I don't think they were in contention for the college football playoff game, but they could have been in contention for a New Year's Day six game, six game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they, they just – BYU, I was just shocked about their inability to stop the run. I mean, they just they 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 couldn't stop the run. I mean, they they couldn't they didn't win the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball, which was supposed to be really their their strength. So you know, this loss knocks BYU completely out of any discussion. You know, the win gives Coastal some credibility, K Dog some, but mm-hmm. it really doesn't help them. Uh, you know, as part of the playoff discussion, will they get a significant bowl invitation? I'm not even sure they get a uh, New Year's Day six ball, K-Dog. I, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I, I don't see them getting that because, you know, they, they, their schedule hasn't been really that strong. Uh, you don't know what BYU is because they haven't played. BYU hasn't played anybody. Yeah, uh, so um, I could – Coastal's going to get a – I think Coastal's going to get a significant bowl because I feel like they're – I don't know if it'll be a New Year's Six, but I think they'll get a significant bowl because I kind of feel like they're like the UCF team from back in the day where they went undefeated and everyone was like, oh, national champions. They're the national champions. But, uh, yeah, so I think they'll get a significant bowl. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point about UCF. Um, I think UCF may have played a little bit stronger schedule than Coastal uh, during that season, but nevertheless, I think that's a, a really good uh, comparison. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Coastal, you know, BYU, that they're done um, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, so this week I was one and two, and K Dog, I'm six and eleven on the season. I'm running out of time, and I'm going in the wrong direction. Yeah. So, so what do we have this week for college? Because I got to get back on track. Stop. Stop. So many things-
Uh, this week we'll start out with the SEC matchup of the week for us, and it is number nine, Georgia, going into number 25, Missouri. And this is going to be – I think this is going to be a decent game to say. Like, I think it should be a good game. But uh, I think Georgia is a, a, a far superior team, to be honest. Georgia has uh, JT Daniels as he came in for Stetson Bennett, and he's just been performing terrifically the past few games. I think they, they found their quarterback for the future for the next few years as he'll take Georgia to the playoffs, I, I believe, in the next three years, especially with their great defense. Uh, for Mizzou, they have Connor Bazalik at the helm for quarterback. Rushing-wise for Georgia, they have running back Zamir White, which he is pretty good. Receiving-wise, wide receiver George Pickens for Georgia is very good, most likely going to be a first- or second-round pick. And, uh, yeah, I just think Georgia is an all-around better team, especially with their defense. The line is minus 14 for Georgia. So I'm taking Georgia minus 14 to beat Missouri. I think they'll win by three touchdowns. All right. So you like the dogs and you like the dogs big. That's, that's what you're, you're telling me here. Yeah. Okay. So you got number nine, Georgia six and two at number 25, Mizzou five and three. Uh, Georgia hasn't played in two weeks with their game against Vandy canceled last week. You know, the Georgia season is a bit of a disappointment having lost two games, you know, and at, and completely out of playoff consideration. Meanwhile, Mizzou enters the top 25, coming off a win against Arkansas, coming from behind. The question in this game is how motivated the Bulldogs are. The Dogs should handle Mizzou if they are motivated. The Georgia offense starting to get going with JT Durrell, as you uh, pointed out, replacing Stetson Bennett at QB. And White and Cook are running the ball well. You know, Daniels, uh, you know, toasted Mississippi State in his last game, going for 400 yards. White and, and Cook had uh, 188 yards against the Gamecocks. So, you know, they just ran the ball all over South Carolina. The Missouri D was bad against Arkansas last week, giving up 48 points and over 550 yards to the Razorbacks, K-Dog. Mm -hmm. The Tigers will look to run the ball and did so really well against Arkansas with Larry Roundtree running for 185 yards. But he's not playing Arkansas. Instead, He's going against a top D in the nation. This also may prove to be too much for, for Mizzou's freshman QB. I think this results in a rout, K-Dog, with Georgia flexing its muscle on both side of the ball, sides of the ball, beating Mizzou 37-13. The dogs have more bite than the Tigers in this one. Yeah. Yeah, so we both have uh, we both have Georgia in a blowout. So 
Yeah, I'll be surprised if uh, Missouri hangs around for a quarter. Yeah, you know, if they if they can hang around for a quarter, I think they've done pretty good because although Georgia has two losses, they're a really quality team. And uh, like you said, they seem to have found their quarterback. And if they found that quarterback, or well, I think he was hurt. I think that's the problem. He was hurt early in the season. Yeah. So he wasn't available. Mm-hmm. But if he was available early and he was playing early, you never know. They, they, yeah. they may have only one loss. They may have zero losses. But, um, you know, it is what it is. And uh, Georgia seems positioned going forward. That's for certain. And, you know, Mizzou they're in the top 25 and that's great for them mm-hmm. you know and great for that program yeah and they got a freshman quarterback that you know it probably be their quarterback for the you know three years going forward It'd be a four-year starter so it looks pretty uh promising for mizzou yep but but they're not beating the dogs that's for certain yeah no no way but uh we'll move on to our next game of the week which is the acc matchup and it is Number 17, UNC, going down to Hard Rock Stadium in Miami to take on the Hurricanes of Miami. And uh, this is going to be – I think this is going to be a great matchup, to be honest. Uh, They both have great QBs in Sam Howell and Derek King. They both – Derek King and Sam Howell both have Heisman – they've been in the Heisman conversation for a few weeks at a time, both of them. Uh, we'll see what happens there for the quarterbacks. Uh, Michael Carter for the UNC running back is uh, performing fantastically this year. He's he's been going off, helping Sam Howell uh, get open, have open wide receivers, using that as the play action and so on. Diami Brown for UNC has also been a great wide receiver for. Uh, Sam Howell to throw to Brevin Jordan for you. Miami has been also a great wide receiver for Derek King. Uh, I think that the Miami defense is better than UNC's defense. And that's why I'm going with Miami at minus three to beat North Carolina. I think Miami wins by a touchdown. Okay. Well, you're going with the Canes in South Florida, Coral Gables. Yeah. You know, K-Dog, I, I think your analysis is, is really good because I, I agree with you. I think this, I expect this to be a close game. I expect it to be a really entertaining game. I expect this thing to be a track meet with points getting put up left and right here. So, you know, and uh, Cellar Dweller Sports will have their Miami-based sideline reporter university of miami miami uh, hurricane insider at the game providing in-game updates and interviews so we look forward to having our insider there at the stadium giving us these updates real time and and the uh, sideline story so that that'll help uh, quite a bit as this game plays out you know i expect this to be a very close game uh, the game of the week as I said, very entertaining. This is a battle of two good teams that, if not for Clemson and Notre Dame, could be undefeated, truly, right? Mm-hmm. Both of these teams put up points and average more than 34 points a game. So, you know, that scoreboard's going to be lighting up and hopefully none of the bulbs burn out there. Um, 
both teams feature good QBs, as you you stated, K-Dog. You got Derek King and uh, Sam Howell, lesser known for North Carolina, but equally as uh, uh, talented. The winner of this game probably goes to a major bowl game, K-Dog. Yes, for UN- sure. Yeah, def- I would have to say definitely. UNC is coming off a win against Western Carolina, 49-9. to Meanwhile, the Canes routed Duke 48 nothing. UNC won last year's game 28-25. UNC ranks second in the ACC in offense, scoring 41 points per game. Meanwhile, the Canes have a big pass rush against a Carolina O-line that has given up 29 sacks this year. Carolina can move the ball throw it through the air and on the ground, but Miami is pretty good against the run. Miami ranks third in the ACC in scoring at almost 35 points per game. The, the Canes are led by their own Heisman candidate QB as well. Not only can King pass, he can also run the ball. The Heels D is pretty good as well, getting to the QB and fairly and has fairly good pass D. I think this game will be a shootout, as I said, with both teams scoring big, lighting up the scoreboard. I I picked the Canes to be second in the ACC and play in the ACC chip. I was wrong with that pick, although Miami hasn't disappointed. This is going to be a close game that will go back and forth with lead changes. I expect this game to be tied late with the Canes scoring on a big run by King to win the game. The U wins 38-31, and our sideline reporter gets to wear the turnover chain. The win sends the Canes to the Orange Bowl, kind of like their glory days. Yeah, so uh, we both have that game the same as well, and... Next for our last game, it, it this is game of the week. Uh, once a year, this happens. Navy versus Army. It's going to be the first year since 1943 that it's not played on a neutral site, and they are playing at Mikey Stadium at West Point for this one. This is going to be a close game because Navy Army is always a close game, as uh. They both run the triple option for most of the time, so there there will be little to no passing in this game. Uh, to hear Tyler is the running is the quarterback slash running back for Army, and Xavier Arline is the quarterback slash running back for Navy. Also, running backs for Navy and Army: Nelson Smith for Navy and Tyrell Robinson. They have been having fantastic seasons as well as the quarterbacks. They they've been having great seasons. Uh, you will there will probably be little to no catching in this game whatsoever. Most likely, it's going to be a game of defense, a game of running, ground and pound game, and I'm going with Army at minus seven. I have to go Army. Always go Army. Go Army. Beat Navy. Army's going to win by two touchdowns. First time at Mikey Stadium since 1943. 
Army's going to beat Navy for the second year in a row. Okay, so you like Army. So, you know, as you stated, we have Army-Navy. The two service academies meet for the 121st time this year. The game takes place, as you stated, in our backyard at Mikey Stadium on the campus of West Point. You know, you talked about, you know, the last time they played at West Point. You know, the game will have a lot of juice, although it will only be played in front of about 8,000 cadets and middies as opposed to 70,000 fans in Philly. Mm -hmm. But the stands will be rocking at Mikey. Navy is 3-0 at Mikey versus Army. Army has a winning streak over Navy until last year when Navy surprisingly beat Army 31-7. Navy has struggled this year. Navy has trouble scoring points, having only scored 13 combined points in their last two games. Mm -hmm. Not a formula for success, K-Dog. No. Army's D is opportunistic, having scored three TDs this year. Army is a run-centric team, as you stated, splitting carries between two QBs and a number of running backs, with Sand and Mayo leading Army with 10 touchdowns. I think the Army D will keep the struggling midshipman offense in check. Army will be able to run the ball and maintain possession. This spells trouble for the midshipmen. I'm looking for the Black Knights of the Hudson to win at home on the beautiful banks of the Hudson River. Army gets to sing second and beats Navy. Army 21, Navy 10. Go Army, beat Navy. And this will make our friends that graduated from West Point really happy, K-Dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. So we are done with NCAA three-game picks, and now we'll move on to our next topic, which is the NFL three-game picks, and we'll start out with last Hey, before, before we go to the NFL, I oh, to yes, get, uh, college I football to get your playoff. thoughts on the Big Ten and Ohio State. What do you yeah, think so, about that? So, yeah, we, we were going to talk about this. Uh, for the college football playoff, uh, Ohio State got their game canceled against Michigan, and uh, we saw this coming, as GMAC called it a few weeks ago. We just knew that uh, Harbaugh wasn't – he wasn't going to bring his – he wasn't going to have his team play Ohio State and get absolutely routed. So they probably just canceled it because of that, but they canceled it because of COVID, which is understandable. But now Ohio State didn't have enough games to make it into the Big Ten Championship, but – they had a meeting uh, and decided to change it so Ohio State could play in the in the uh, Big Ten Championship against Northwestern next Saturday. So for me, I think that it's it's absolutely insane because five games big in the Big Ten. The Big Ten's not good at all this year. Ohio State hasn't beaten anyone good this year besides Indiana, and they only beat Indiana by six points. I knew it was a blowout for most of the game, but Indiana still came back to make it a game, and uh, the Big Ten's just not good. And Ohio State, they don't have enough – they played five games. They don't have enough games to 
play in the I don't think they have enough games to play in the playoffs which is it's it's going to be unfair for Texas A&M to be honest because I think Texas A&M has a way better resume and Ohio State doesn't hasn't played anyone good so that's my opinion on it yeah well I I think um you know I I tend to agree with you first of all you know the, the Big Ten did a poor job with their football season this year. If you ask me, they started way too late, you know, after saying they weren't going to play. Yeah. That's, just... Yeah. That was, you're right. That is their first mistake. They started yeah, that, really late. Yeah. That, I agree with you. That was their first mistake. They started too late after saying they they weren't going to play. So they should have just not had a season. Right. Because they, when they started, by the time they started, they didn't have enough weeks left in the year to be able to uh, have contingency for games being canceled by COVID-19, yeah. you know? So the, so they, the league did their teams a disservice. Um, they said that you need to have six games to be in the big 10 championship. Well, Ohio state only has five and, you know, I get it. Ohio state is, legitimately the best team in the big 10 but you know what a rule's a rule i mean just because you don't like the outcome of the rule because you weren't able to meet the guidelines doesn't mean they should change it i mean i mean is that fair i mean yeah i know they beat indiana but is that fair to indiana who met the rules even though they have one loss yeah no it's, so. it's not fair i think you're right i think indiana should be in place of ohio state but they 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 obviously are picking favorites in this. Yeah, I mean, so the, the Big Ten Conference is placating Ohio State. And, yeah, I get it. They're the best team in the conference. But the conference isn't any good, first of all. You know, they haven't beaten anybody. They haven't beaten anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, so, the, so they go to the Big Ten Championship against Northwestern. Northwestern lost to Michigan State. Michigan State has a losing record. And, you know, is not a typical Michigan State team. And, you know, the Big Ten has been really down. I mean, teams Mm -hmm. like Wisconsin, University of Michigan is awful. I mean, in my lifetime, I don't think I've seen them this bad. Yeah, Michigan is terrible. (laughs) Yeah, they're terrible. So, I mean, you change the rules to, to help Ohio State. And I get it helps the Big Ten. But even if Ohio State wins... And I expect them to beat Northwestern. I mean, they'll beat Northwestern by three touchdowns probably. But how does that enhance their position with the college football playoff? So what? You beat Northwestern. Northwestern lost to Michigan State. Northwest Michigan State is bad. Uh, So you're 6-0 and in the Big Ten. Big deal. Does that mean that you should get a spot over A&M? Yeah, Texas A&M. I don't. I don't think. I think no, because I think if I think even if I think teams like in the SEC, teams like A&M and Florida would beat out Ohio State. I think they would beat them easily. I agree with you. I think both teams would beat A&M and Florida State. And you know, is is it going to be fair? When they're six and zero, and they they played six games. All these other teams played eleven, twelve games against stiff competition, you know, having to battle through changing schedules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you only play six games. They play 11 or 12. 
So they have a loss along the way against quality teams. And when you played nobody, it, to me, it's just, it's not fair. And they're, they're placating the college football playoff committee is placating the big 10 because they feel as though for some mm-hmm. reason they have to have a big 10 team in there. Well, they don't have a PAC 12 team in there because the PAC 12 is bad and yeah. the big 10 is equally as bad. Right. Well, yeah. So, speaking of the, speaking of the PAC 12, USC is undefeated. Uh, University of South California is undefeated, the Trojans, and they're yeah, not even getting a look. They're not well, even getting many, a look. How many, how many games did they play? Four? No, they've they've played six as well, I believe. Really? They played that many games? I thought yeah. USC. I didn't think they played that many. But, yeah, no, they're, they're not going to get a look. Are you kidding me? Well, I think it's unfair that Ohio State's getting a look over them, to be honest. Well, because it, it's, it's the Big Ten and the uh, – college football committee feels compelled to have a big 10 team in it, which I think is wrong. Um, I, I much as a fan, I much rather see, you know, the, the ACC the, and the SEC teams in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the college football playoff, you know, and then you have an old time Rose bowl and Ohio state can go play USC in the Rose bowl. Right. Just like the old days. Uh, I think that's really where it should lie um, because the best teams in the country, you know, are obviously coming out of the SEC and coming out of the ACC. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, it's just, I think it's, I think it's insane to be honest with you that uh, Ohio state's still getting a look right now, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, well, the thing is, for the playoff, the playoff committee, apparently the leader of the playoff committee is, uh, I think, from a big, I think, Iowa. I think he's, like, the president for Iowa, so he's a Big Ten school. So I think that's why they're getting an even better look. But we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll move on to – our NFL three-game picks from last week, and we'll start out with the 1 o'clock game, which is the Browns versus the Titans. And I picked the Titans at minus four. The Titans lost 41-35. to 35. This game was not close whatsoever. Yeah, not close. Even though the score shows it, it the game was not close. It was uh, – I think it was – Four, I think it was 38 to seven at the half, I believe. But yes, it was 38 to seven at the half. Baker Mayfield had a day 334 yards, four touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill also had a pretty good game 389 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. But uh, uh, those were mostly garbage, garbage time points, to be honest. Yeah, that was all garbage time. Yeah, Nick Chubb, 80 yards for a touchdown. Rashard Higgins for wide receiver had six receptions, 95 yards, and a touchdown. Corey Davis for the Titans had 182 yards and a touchdown. The Browns won 41-35, moving them to 9-3, second in the North, AFC North. They will not go ne- – this is their first time not having a negative uh, record in 13 years. The wow. Titans lose, moving to 8-4, and four, and that moves me to 0-1 on the week. 0-1 on the week. All right. Well, well K- K-Dog, in this game, I picked the Titans to win it 
to win a close one, 24-21, with the Browns covering the line. The Browns, as you stated, just man, they actually manhandled the Titans in a big upset. And as you stated, the game wasn't close. Browns were, were up so big at the half, and then they just coasted the rest of the way. You talked about Baker Mayfield having a game, and he did have a game. You know, and the key for the Browns was they held Derrick Henry to 60 yards rushing. Um, and, and, that, and that's more on account that I think, you know, Tennessee got down by a lot early and had to scrap the running game. So, you know, I was concerned that this was a trap game for, for the Titans after beating the Colts for first place the week before. I was also concerned with the Titans' D. And uh, both were legitimate concerns with the Browns racking up over 450 total yards. Okay, dog, 450 total yards. And getting yeah, that, the upset. That's, oh my, it's insane. Yeah, it's insane is right. And getting the upset and victory, you know, the key to beating the Titans is to get up early on them. And then they have to scrap the running game, right? And, you know, that, that's not the Titans game. If, if they can't be, they can't be successful if they fall behind because they, you know, they thrive on the running game, the running of Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry's running sets up the play action pass for Tannehill mm-hmm. and Tannehill had stats last week, but they were all in, all his stats were in garbage time. So you can't really put a lot of credence into the numbers he put up because the game was basically over that yeah. point so mm-hmm. but nevertheless i got the win and i'm one and oh after game one yep so uh yeah you did get the win uh we'll move on to the next game which is the nfc west matchup it was the la rams versus the arizona cardinals and i picked the cardinals to win they did not. They lost 38 to 28 to the Rams. This game wasn't really close at all, to be honest. Uh, but uh, it, it closed towards the end. They made it a three point game and then a couple. And then uh, pick six made a 10 point game, then a 17 point game. Uh, Kyler Murray, 173 yards, a three touchdowns, one interception. Jared Goff with 351 and a touchdown. Cam Akers is the run. seems like he's going to be the starting running back with uh, 72 yards and a touchdown. He's getting most of the touches now for LA. Kenyon Drake only had 49 yards, but he also added a touchdown. Robert Woods had 85 yards for the Rams receiving wise. Dan Arnold, the tight end for the Cardinals had 61 yards and two touchdowns, which is, crazy because i've i to be honest i've never heard of him until this week um (laughs) i'm not familiar with dan arnold yeah so that was crazy and uh arizona loses by 10 moving me to oh and two on the week the cardinals uh are were a hail mary away from losing their last they've lost they started out uh five and two i believe they are now six and six uh I think they're they're running themselves out of the playoff hunt. Yeah, so uh, in this game, K-Dog, I picked the Rams to win the game and cover the spread. My pick was 24 to 17. 
you know, uh, and you, you kind of summarize the game. Golf uh, was good in this game. You know, you talked about Cam Akers and the Rams rushed for over 100 yards. You know, the, the cards, you know, they optimized their offense scoring four TDs on only 232 total yards. So, you know, and Murray was okay. It wasn't great. He did have three TDs passing for 173 yards and, you know, had one INT. Um, I mean, those aren't big numbers, but, you know, they were efficient numbers, but not enough to win. You know, the Rams keep their division title hopes alive, yep. you know, and I picked the Rams at the beginning of the season uh, to win the division. So I'm still in that, K-Dog. I'm still in that with my Rams there. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the cards, meanwhile, are going in the wrong direction. You know, at this rate, I don't expect they'll make the playoffs, although, you know, they have a favorable schedule with three of their four game remaining games against teams under 500. So, you know, they should be able to make some hay down the stretch here. Uh, nevertheless, K-Dog, I'm 2-0 this week. Yep. And, the and the question is whether I can go undefeated this week. So uh, let's move to game three. Let's move yeah, to, we'll game move three. to game three. And it was the Monday night matchup. Uh, the Buffalo Bills took on the 49ers in uh, State Farm Stadium in Arizona. The last time the Bills played there, uh, they lost to DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Kyler Murray on the last second touchdown. But uh, this time in State Farm Stadium, the Bills won 34-24. Uh, it was a 10-point game at the end of this, but it was a garbage-time touchdown from the 49ers, so it was – I, it was a blow, it was a blowout. Uh, the the Niners ne like it never seemed like the Niners had a chance in this game. Josh Allen had another MVP performance. I hate to say it, but uh, he had another MVP for performance. Three hundred seventy nine, uh, three hundred seventy five yards, four touchdowns, and zero ints. He only missed eight passes, thirty two for forty, which is insane. That is insane. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, he he has to be considered in the the MVP MVP uh, conversation. He he might for me he might be the front runner to be honest. But uh, Nick, yeah, he's got to be considered. Nick Mullins, three hundred and sixteen yards, three touchdowns, two ints. Not good from him. Uh, the two ints were just crucial. Uh, Devin Singletary had 61 yards. Uh, he was the leading rusher for the Bills. The Bills need to step up their rushing game if they want to move farther in the once once they get into the playoffs. Cole Beasley for the Bills had 130 yards and a touchdown for the Niners. It was Brandon Ayuk that was the leading receiver, 95 yards and a touchdown on five receptions. This game was. Bills at plus one, the Bills win by ten, moving me to one and two on the week. I didn't, I didn't go winless. Oh, you didn't go winless, so that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, going into this game, I, I picked a 49er upset. I thought the Niners would win 27-24, but that didn't happen, and that kept me from an undefeated week. The Bills beat the Niners, as you said, rather handily. You know, the 49ers D kept the Bills running game in check. 
as I expected, but, you know, Josh Allen broke out of his slump in a big way, as you stated, and he torched the 49ers D that I, I thought would pressure Allen and force him into turnovers, but Allen didn't have any turnovers uh, in this game. And, you know, turnovers had plagued him in prior games. You know, meanwhile, the Niners didn't rush the ball as I anticipated. You know, Mullins was okay, but he turned the ball over twice. You know, Allen's performance was the difference in this game and keeps me from going 3-0. and Subsequently, I finished 2-1 and for the week, making me 19-20 and on the season. What's your, what's your record on the season, Kato? 20 and 19 on the season. Okay, so you got a one-game advantage over me coming down the stretch here. The good thing, K-Dog, is it's a new week, and I'm undefeated so far this week. So what do we have this week? This week we will start with uh, the 1 o'clock game, which is the Chiefs versus the Dolphins. And uh, this game I think is going to be a decent game, to be honest with you. Uh, We have Patrick Mahomes taking on – the young, the young rookie of Tua Tagovailoa, uh, they both have uh, pretty good offenses, I think, to be honest. Patrick Mahomes has Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, and Travis Kelsey, uh, along with uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the backfield with him. Uh, they also set up Le'Veon Bell in the, in the slot and also in the backfield. Tua Tagovailoa has Mike Gusecki at uh, at tight end. He also has Devontae Parker. Um, but uh, this will, I think this will be a great game, to be honest. And the Chiefs are minus seven favorites, and I'm going with the Chiefs at minus seven. I think the Chiefs will be up late and then score a field goal and win by 10 points. Chiefs win by 10 points. Okay, dog, I can see that happening. I can see that happening. So, you, you know, you got the 11-1 the and one Chiefs at the 8-4 and four, four Dolphins, and they're a home dog getting seven, as you stated. You know, the, the Dolphins are in the AFC division hunt with Buffalo, you know, and they need to win to keep pace. The Finns are coming off a 19-7 victory over the Burrowless Bungles. The Miami D kept uh, Cincy to under 200 total yards, you know, so they, they were very effective against the, the Bengals. Meanwhile, Tua threw for almost 300 yards with one TD. Uh, Jason Sanders was four for four with field goals for, for Miami. Meanwhile, the Chiefs keep winning. They haven't lost since week five against Vegas. They squeaked by Denver 22-16 last week. The Chiefs were down at the half, but scored late in the fourth quarter to secure the win. Denver had 179 yards rushing, 179 yards rushing against, you know, their uh, their defense, but they couldn't get their, their passing game going you know with drew lock throwing two ints casey wasn't at their best but was good enough to win thanks to their kicker uh butker who had five field goals casey 
is on the road again for the third time in four weeks. Oh, our Miami base sideline reporter and Dolphins insider will be at the game yet uh, again, giving us live in-game updates. Uh, our insider uh, has communicated to us that high-level uh, people in the Miami organization are uh, confident in this game, and uh, you know they expect that if they can come out and play hard. Uh, they will be competitive in this game. So that's that's what we're hearing from our uh, sideline reporter and uh, the the high-level executives that uh, our sideline reporter is networked with. So we'll see we'll see if that comes to pass there, K-Dog. Um, you know, Miami has won seven of their last eight games and four and their last four at home. So, you know, they're on a good streak as well. They're second in the league in points allowed at 21. So they're not really giving up a lot of points. I think Miami's D will be a good test for KC. And the question is whether Miami can muster up enough offense to win the game because mm -hmm. this team wins because of their defense. They don't win because of their offense. You know, Tua, I know people don't want to hear it, but Tua will manage the football. Uh, he hasn't turned it over like Fitz was doing, which is key to winning games uh, if you don't score a lot. So KC's rush D isn't great. So I expect Miami to try to run the ball and pass off the play action. I don't see Miami beating the Chiefs, but I can see them hanging around and keeping it as keeping it close as Denver did last week. Mm. KC is six and zero on the road. I expect them to make it seven and zero on the road. I'm picking KC to win the game, but Miami to cover the spread. KC yep. twenty one, Miami seventeen. Yeah, that's I was, my prediction. I, I was on the fence about this one too, but I. The Dolphins, the Dolphins, I think the Dolphins are a good football team. And uh, I think the AFC East for years to come is going to be good if the Jets get Trevor. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be – I was on the fence, but I'm going with the Chiefs. Uh, so, we're different already. We'll move to the 4 o'clock game, which is a playoff implication matchup. The, Indiana the Indianapolis Colts go into Allegiant Stadium, uh, the new black hole, to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, this is going to be a good game as well. The Raiders just come off a win against uh, the Jets. Last second win. We'll talk about that later. And uh, the Colts come off a six-point win against the Texans, which is a they uh, they were lucky to squeak out of that one, but uh, they were both both of these teams were lucky to squeak out of their games, uh, trap games to be honest. And uh, so it will be a good matchup: Philip Rivers versus Derek Carr, uh, T. Y. Hilton for the Colts, and uh, Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller for the Raiders. Uh, I think if the Raiders. Uh, have their defense back on back ready to go i think they'll win this game indianapolis is three-point favorites going into las vegas um and 
I'm going to pick the Colts for this game at minus three. The Colts defense is just superior to, to the Raiders defense. I think the Colts will shut down Derek Carr and company uh, because DeForest Buckner is back for the Colts. Darius Leonard is a, a absolute stud at linebacker. Their secondary is also great. And the Colts will win this by 10 points. Wow. You have a lot of confidence in Indy, huh? Yep. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, Colts are a pretty good team. You know, so the Colts rebounded last week to beat Houston 26-20. The game was more of a dogfight than the Colts imagined. The game was essentially scoreless in the second half except for a safety when Deshaun Watson was sacked in the end zone late in the game. The Colts D made adjustments and shut Houston out in the second half. The stats between the two teams were comparable, except Houston had two turnovers. Not a convincing win for the Colts, but they get by and are still in a position to win the division. The Raiders are coming off a last-second win against the Jets that we'll discuss a little later when previewing the Jets game against the Seahawks. The Raiders have not looked good the last two weeks, being dismantled by the Falcons and fortunate to beat the 0-11 Jetropolitans. Derek Carr has looked bad the last two weeks and looks more like that QB we've come to know. The Raiders can score points led by their running game, but I'm not sure if Josh Jacobs will be playing. He's a game-time decision, and if he doesn't play, that'll significantly impact the Raiders' running game. The Raiders' D is weak and ranks towards the bottom of the league in points allowed, pass defense, and rush defense. I expect the Colts to exploit the Vegas pass D with Phil Rivers. Colts don't run the ball well, but they should be able to against the Vegas D. The Colts D is opportunistic with a plus seven turnover margin, while the Raiders are more careless with the ball, one and two uh, careless with the ball at minus two turnover ratio. I think the Colts D will keep Carr in check. Even the Jets D got pressure on him frequently. So I expect Buckner and the Colts to get to Carr frequently. This spells trouble for Vegas. I predict the Colts will win this game and cover the spread. I see Phil Rivers having a big passing day and the D locking down the Raiders. I expect Carr to struggle, be pressured and turn the ball over. This results in a Colts win, 28-17 over Vegas. Colts continue their pursuit for the division, and Vegas falls behind in the playoff race. All right, so we got the Colts, and we got this game the same. So uh, we'll move on to our 8 o'clock game, Sunday Night Football. And this is a great matchup. Uh, great matchup. The Bob. eleven and one Steelers come into Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills. They are both the leaders of their division, the AFC North and uh, AFC East, respectively. Uh, respectfully, and uh, this is going to be a, a great matchup. 
Josh Allen, 3,400 yards, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Big Ben has 3,100 yards, 27 touchdowns, and seven INTs. Uh, I think uh, James Conner is still out on the COVID list, I believe. So Benny Snell will be the rusher for this game. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss usually split reps. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, along with Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron at tight end. For the Bills, they have Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Gabriel Davis. This is going to be an offensive matchup for the ages, both sides. The defenses are also pretty good with – the Bills are led by uh, Tredavious White and Jordan Poyer. The Steelers are led by TJ Watt, Joe Hayden, and Minka Fitzpatrick. The Bills are the Bills are dogs in this game, I believe. Minus two and a half. The last time I saw the line was minus two and a half Pittsburgh. And I'm going to go with Minus two and a half Pittsburgh Steelers are going to take on the bills in Buffalo and the three hour trip to Buffalo and beat them. I think that the bills, uh, the Steelers will win by a touchdown. Wow. That's a, a pretty bold prediction. And you know, your uh, bills fans up at the university will certainly be happy uh regarding that but um let's see the Steelers traveled to Orchard Park New York to take on the Bills following their first loss of the season Steelers were surprisingly upset by the Redskins 23-17 the Steelers offense has struggled the last couple of games scoring less than 20 points per game. The Steelers offense has been relying too heavily on the pass lately and have been unable to run the ball, gaining only 21 rush yards against the Redskins. The Steelers expect to get James Conner back this week, so that may help. The passing game has been plagued by drop passes. Tomlin wasn't happy with the drop passes which impacted the game against the Skins last week. Meanwhile, the Bills beat the 49ers convincingly, as discussed earlier in the show. The Bills return home where they are 5-1. However, Pittsburgh is 5-0 on the road. Pitt still ranks 7th in points scored, but wins with D. Pitt ranks 1st in points allowed second in pass D, and sixth in run D. Buffalo is equally as good on the offensive side of the ball. Josh Allen broke out of his slump last week, but Buffalo's D is not nearly as good as Pittsburgh's, and they have trouble running the ball as well. The question is whether Pitt's offense can get back on track. Buffalo will put up points against Pitt, but can the Buffalo D hold them to under 20 points? I think they can. And I think Buffalo will score on Pitt's D. I'm only for Buffalo. I'm 
I'm only for Buffalo to send Pitt to its second straight loss, beating the Steelers 24-20, K-Dog. Bills create some breathing room in their quest for the division title, and Pitt loses the first seed in the AFC. So the people in Buffalo will be dancing. Let's go, Buffalo. Yeah, okay. So the the first week, I don't pick Buffalo. You pick Buffalo. And uh, we're different on two games this week, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, you're um, always on You're always on Buffalo, K-Dog. Yeah, I know. I, I just... Uh, I, I'm usually not on Buffalo's bandwagon, but this week I'm, I'm on Buffalo's bandwagon. I'm looking for Josh Allen, and I think the Steelers' D is sputtering. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll see. Uh, now we'll move on to our next topic, which is the Jets and Giants preview and rewind, and we'll start with the Jets. And the Jets took on the Raiders, and it was oh, it was a thriller to say the least. It was a back and forth game throughout the entire game. The Jets took the lead with five minutes to go in the game, and it it seemed that ever that everything was falling apart. The Trevor Lawrence story was falling apart for the Jets. But uh, with under two minutes to go, the Jets are stopped on of on third down. They had to punt, and that's where the story starts and ends. Henry Ruggs catches the ball over Lamar Jackson, the cornerback, the rookie quarterback, cornerback, and scores a 46-yard touchdown from a pass from Derek Carr. For the win, keeping the Trevor Lawrence hopes alive for Jets fans. Derek Carr had a great game, 381 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Sam Darnold had a decent game, I guess, 186 yards, two touchdowns, one INT. Ty Johnson for the Jets was the story. Uh, He performed pretty well with with uh, Frank Gore out with a concussion, 22 carries on 104 yards and a touchdown. That's good for about almost five yards a carry. Uh, Receiving-wise, the story for the Raiders, as GMAC talked about last week, was Carter Waller. Darren Waller, 13 receptions, 200 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah, that guy's a beast. Absolutely insane. Darren Waller is pro-tank for Trevor. Derek Carr is also pro-tank for Trevor. The Jets' defense and Greg Williams are pro-tank for Trevor. Jets move to 0-12, four games closer to the first pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, no, this game was much closer than I expected and much closer than I wanted it to be, Yeah, right? But, uh, you know, we, when we talked about last week, I said the, the, the call you're going to hear a lot is Carr to Waller. And the call you heard a lot last week was Carr to Waller. And, you know, Gruden should have been doing more Carr to Waller than he did. 
um, because the Jets just had no answer for Waller. He was just amazing. But anyway, you know, the Jets, you know, they uh, snapped defeat from the jaws of victory with their second last second loss to the Raiders. And this is a game that they should have won. You know, the Jets actually scored some points led by their running game. And, you know, Frank Gore gets hurt early in the game. So you figure, hey, they're not going to be able to run the ball. You know, instead, the Jets gashed the Raiders D rushing for over 200 yards and a touchdown. You know, they, they probably haven't rushed for that many yards in three games combined. So, you know, Sam Darnold was Sam Darnold. He wasn't great. Threw for 186 yards, two TDs and his, you know, his, his typical INT. And he was sacked twice, keeping his sack streak going. And, you know, that's the only streak he has, a stack, sack streak and a losing streak. Hmm. But anyway, you know. Uh, the, 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 the Jets D, you know, it's hard to say that they weren't bad, but they weren't really all that bad. They put pressure on Carr. They sacked them three times. They forced two turnovers. You know, Quinn Williams is coming into his own. I mean, he played exceptionally yeah. well against the Raiders, you know, but the D gave up the, the late long passing TD, which led to defensive coordinator Greg Williams getting fired. You know, and everyone was upset, you know, was up in arms and upset with Williams and his all-out blitz with no safety help. Well, you know, Williams has always been an aggressive defensive coordinator. His defense is aggressive. And, you know, the prior series, he blitzed Carr. And, uh, you know, on that play, Carr had to throw off his back foot and the pass fell short. So, you know, this is the way Williams has always coached all the time. He puts pressure on on the the offense. He blitzes a lot. He get his his defenses get a lot of penalties because they play on the edge, you know. So why should he change now? If the if the Jets sacked Carr, everyone would have said great call, great call. But it didn't work. So everyone says he's an idiot. You know, I, I think Gase firing Williams is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. If if you watched Dallas the the Dallas game the other day. K dog, you know, when we were watching it, uh, you know, they, they try to hail Mary Dallas at the end of the half and um, the defense of the team they were playing, they only rushed like one or two players and Dalton had all day to throw. So Dalton gets the pass off to the end zone and, you know, the ball should have been caught by CD lamb. Yeah. It went, it went through his hands. Remember that yeah. it went through his hands, mm-hmm. you know, and if he caught it, then everyone would have criticized the D for not putting more pressure on the QB. So, you know, it's all about results. The play didn't work, but what about Gase and the offense, K-Dog? The D stopped the Raiders giving the ball back to the Jets. You know, and the Jets had the opportunity to run out the clock, close out the game, but Adam Gase, the offensive genius, QB whisperer, Sam Darnold and the Jets offense couldn't even get one first down. All they needed was one first yeah. down to seal the game and the defense wouldn't have to come back on the field. So, you know, Adam Gase is firing Greg Williams when Adam Gase's offense couldn't even get one first down to salt the game away. I mean, you know, to me, it's ridiculous. The whole coaching staff's going to be fired most of the players won't be here you know and the good news is we still have the first pick in the draft and we're, we have trevor lawrence so we got to continue to tank for trevor 
We can't win a game. We can't win a game. Otherwise, we'll be stuck with Sam Darnold and another decade of misery. So let's turn our attention now to the Jamal Adams Bowl with the Jets traveling to Seattle to face the Seahawks. Yep. So uh, Jets take on the Seahawks, and uh, this this is a must-win game for the Seahawks, to be honest, because they just they just lost to the they just lost to uh, the Giants last week. An absolute that was a great game, the Seahawks versus Giants. Uh, the Jets take on the Seahawks now, a week after the week after the Giants in Seattle at uh, Lumen Field in, in, in Seattle. Uh, I think the Seahawks are going to blow out the Jets. Uh, I think that they, they have to blow out the Jets, and they will. The Seahawks will win probably by two touchdowns, I believe. Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson, uh, Tyler Lockett will get back on track. For this one, uh, Sam Darnold will probably get picked off by Jamal Adams somehow, uh, making it Jamal Adams' first interception of the year, probably. And, uh, yeah, Seahawks are going to win probably by two touchdowns, making the Jets' own 13. Yeah, well, uh, the first thing I have to say is it's been great not to have to listen to Jamal Adams this year. You know, the, the little bit I heard – from him this week has been too much already. You know, I, I, I don't want to hear the Jets don't res, didn't respect him and he wants respect. You know, Jamal, you have to earn respect and you didn't earn respect in New York. You couldn't handle the pressure of New York, you know, and when things got tough, you were curled up in a ball in the corner with your thumb in your mouth because you couldn't handle adversity at, at all. Any sign of adversity, you, you, you couldn't handle it. You showed that you weren't a leader and you wind your way out of New York. You want New York to respect you, but New York rejected you and New York doesn't respect you, right? So it's been nice not to have to listen to his whining every week, week after week after week, you know, and, you know, the Seattle press can enjoy, uh, his commentary because right now they're winning. So, you know, he'll fall in line, but as soon as they start losing, um, you know, he'll start whining and uh, talk about respect if they don't give him a big contract and all that stuff. But, you know, Seattle comes into this game off a loss to the giants, you know, the giants had Colt McCoy as their QB winning 17 to 12. The giants D was great against the Seahawks and Russ William, William uh, Wilson, the Giants pressured Russ Wilson all game, netting five sacks. They held Russ to 263 yards, one TD and one INT. The Seahawks go as Russ goes. If Russ doesn't cook, the Seahawks get burned. Meanwhile, the Giants shredded, shredded the Jamal Adams-led D, mm -hmm. rushing for 190 yards. 190 yards rushing the Giants had yeah. on the on the legs of Wayne Gallman, who had 135 rush yards and a TD. The Giants held the Seahawks to five points, Ken mm -hmm. Dog, through three Q three quarters, 
with the Hawks scoring their only touchdown with 6.09 left in the game. The Giants then shut the door, not giving Seattle a chance to score. You know, and I think uh, the Giants kept blitzing Russell Wilson. So for all those people that say, you know, they should be in a conservative defense, they kept pressuring Russell Wilson and they closed the door on him. McCoy did a good job managing the game in the absence of uh, Daniel Jones, throwing for 105 yards, TD, and an INT. However, the Giants didn't need to pass against one of the worst pass defenses in the league because they were able to run the ball down the throat, the uh, Hawks' throat. Mm-hmm. And you talked about it, K-Dog. This is a big game for Seattle who needs to win to stay in the division race. I don't think the Jets will fly cross country and beat the Hawks. I don't think they will be competitive. The Seahawks and Russ will bounce back and score big points on the Greg Williams-less defense that ranks 31st in the league in pass D. The only team worse than the Jets pass D, K-Dog? You know who's the only team worse than the Jets pass D? Seahawks. You guessed it. The Jamal Adams-led Seahawks, who rank 32. The, pro- the problem is Sam Darnold and the Giants won't be able to capitalize on it. Sam will continue to turn the ball over, costing the Jets. Unless the Jets' newfound running game can exploit the Hawks' D, which I don't think it will, the Hawks will blow them out. The Jets will be sleepless in Seattle. Seattle wins 31-10. Jets go to 0-13, and we are only three games away from changing the franchise forever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll move on to uh, the team that shares the stadium with the Jets, and it is the Giants. And GMAC already basically talked about last week's game since it incorporated into the Jets' talk. The Giants took on the Seahawks, and they won 17 to 12, upsetting the Seahawks. Big upset as Seahawks were 11 point favorites. It was a huge upset. Uh, Colt huge. McCoy came in for the Giants and had a had a game managing game. Uh, the story though was Wayne Gollum for the Giants, 135 yards, 8.4 yards per, per carry. That was the story there. The defense was also the story for the Giants, and the Giants won, moving to five and five and seven, and still staying in first place in the NFC East. So, so what do you, so what do you got for the Giants this week? So the Giants this week is the Giants take on the Arizona Cardinals. In a, in a matchup at home at MetLife Stadium, the Cardinals come in to MetLife for the second time, first time against the Jets, blew out the Jets. Uh, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk and company, Kenyon Drake also for the running back spot, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds in the running back spot. Uh, the Cardinals come in to take on Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is ready to go for this game. Wayne Gollum is ready for this game. Uh, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram for the Giants uh, offensively. Defensively, the Giants' defense has been really good the past few the past few days, past few weeks, I should say. And the Cardinals have not been good the past few weeks. 
uh, offensively and defensively. Uh, I think the Giants will win this one once again, back-to-back weeks against back-to-back NFC West foes. And it moves, it would move the Giants to six and seven, one game under 500. Who would have thought? But I think the Giants win. Well, that's a, a pretty good um, analysis that you made there, K Dog, uh, regarding this game. Uh, the six and six Cardinals come into Jet Life to play the surging New York Giants, who are five and seven. And they're a two-and-a-half-point home dog after coming off a huge win against Seattle, which uh, we previously discussed. Meanwhile, the cards come limping into jet life, having lost three games in a row, which could have been four games if not for the second, the last second Hail Mary against Buffalo. The cards must really – the cards most – recently lost to the Rams 31-28 in that game. Jared Goff passed for over 350 yards and a TD with the Rams rushing for over 100 yards against the Cards D. Meanwhile, the Rams D held the Cards to 232 total yards, forcing two turnovers, including a defensive touchdown. They held Kyler Murray to 173 yards passing, although he had three TDs. Now, the Giants don't have Jared Goff, although Danny Dimes is expected to be back. They do have a D that's getting better each week, led by Leo Williams. Yes, Jets fans, Leo has become a sack master this year. (laughs) Believe it or not, he's become a sack master. So I'm sure that, you know, everybody last year was saying, oh, what is Dave Gettleman and the Giants doing trading a third round pick for Leo? Well, looks pretty darn good right now. Yeah. Anyway, these two teams are going in opposite directions, K-Dog. The Giants winning four games in a row. Five of their last seven games are on fire. Arizona has lost three in a row and four of their last five, which could easily have been five games in a row, if not for the miracle against Buffalo. Arizona ranks ninth in points scored and the Giants rank ninth in points allowed. Arizona's offense is run-driven, ranking fourth in rush yards per game. The Giants, meanwhile, rank fourth in rush D. We have strength versus strength. The Giants are toward the bottom of the league in points scored and pass yards per game. And Arizona's D is middle of the road. The Giants are a little more opportunistic on D in a, with a plus three turnover margin. The Giants had given up less than 20 points per game over their four-game win streak. The Giants are a team with momentum and gaining confidence. They believe in Joe Judge and themselves, a far cry from the team they share the stadium with. I'm going with the team on the rise, K-Dog. I'm picking the Giants to beat the Cards, winning their fifth in a row 
and staying atop the NFC East. Giants 23, Arizona 17. Arizona continues its free fall and falls out of contention. Big Blue is surging, and New York football is on the rise. Mm-hmm. So uh, now that we're done with the Jets and Giants preview and rewind, we'll move on to our final topic of the day, which is K-Dog's Fantasy Minute. Oh, I love K-Dog's Fantasy Minute. I can't wait for this. And last week, we unfortunately lost. You lost? Last week of the season. Uh, oh, oh, man. 116. You resting your players or something? 116 to 140. Uh, oh, you got shellacked. You yeah. just didn't lose. You got shellacked. What, did you sit some of your players, rest them so they're ready for the playoffs or what? What happened yeah, we, we Yeah, we did. But uh, my uh, performer of the week was Darren Waller, 38 and a half points with 200 yards and two touchdowns against the Jets. That he was, was amazing. He uh, was amazing. Justin Jefferson also had 22.8 points, 121 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he was a good pick for you. I mean, yeah. the rookie is just on fire. He's really, I mean, he's got to be rookie. He might be offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, he might be. I, and I got him the last pick in the draft. So, I mean, really? My, you picked my, him in my, the- he was my last round pick. Really? Yeah. Wow. Man, um, you had some foresight there. Let me yeah. tell you. Uh, it's the LSU people I'm telling you. Yeah. The LSU no. players. Jamal but, uh, Adams is an LSU player, too, you know. Well, yeah. But uh, so is OBJ. I like OBJ. Uh, no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care for either one. Uh, Frank Gore was my loser of the week. Point two points. Well, he, got he, hurt. he left with a concussion, so he sucks. Um, Justin oh. Herbert had four points, which was terrible. Oh, you uh, started him instead of oh Tampa Bay was was on a bye. He was on a bye. Yeah, he was on a bye last week. Yeah, and oh man, the Chargers got routed. I can't believe. Yeah. I figured the Chargers and Herbert would light up the. The uh, Patriots D, but man, they didn't score any points. Yeah, I also thought that they would too, but uh, yeah, that that was uh, it was a loss, but it didn't affect our playoff chances whatsoever. It was ba- the playoffs were basically set already, so this was just uh, it's good to get a loss out now instead of in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, what's your ranking going into the uh, playoffs? We are we are nine and four. And I am a three seed in the playoffs. You're a three seed and you have four losses? Yeah. This is your first loss in like seven weeks or well, something like that. I started off 0-2 and then I had five straight wins, I think, or five or six straight wins. And then I had a loss and then uh, I won two more games and then I lost this one, making it 9-4. Oh, wow. But, yeah, we're the three seed going into the playoffs. Uh, we'll see what happens there for next week. But Well, I hope I, I hope you do better in your football playoffs than you did your baseball playoffs because you in baseball you were in first place the whole season. You go into the playoffs, you lose the first round. 
Yeah, that is. <laughs> you, you, you were kind of like the Minnesota Twins. You win, you win the regular season division all the time, and you get walloped in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I know. But uh, let's, let's hope this doesn't happen in football, you know. Yeah, hopefully we could win this. But uh, we'll see what happens there. We'll get back to you next week on that. But that's it from the seller today. Here's the